0: super talk mississippi media production
1: moondog makers and bakers catering services taking ordinary to extraordinary personal and home private
0: nights to massive events from wood fired pizzas to full gras. get your three-pack spice blend of moon dust moon crust and moon rocks hashtag what is moondog familiar food done differently Celebrating the amazing people of coastal Mississippi and across this great state who are working hard to make this a great place to live, work, and play. This is the, the Ricky Matthews, Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show, the show that
1: works so hard every single day to celebrate the people who are working. To make this a better place to live, work and play. Not just coast of Mississippi, but Mississippi, especially the conversation we're going to have today. I came across a couple of quotes, literally today and yesterday, just two quotes that came at me sort of serendipitously that really apply to this conversation. At least I hope they apply, because sometimes we get into, we're going to be talking about insurance here in just a second. You get into insurance conversations and... You know, our ability to control the outcomes um, are you know, somewhat limited. And, um, you know, we, we need a real team approach to this, really a national approach to the conversation we're going to have in just a second. But still, these quotes apply. And the first one is from John D. Rockefeller. He said this, try to turn every disaster into an opportunity. Well, certainly we know what it's like to turn a disaster into an opportunity after Hurricane Katrina. But in some respects, we ha- actually have an insurance disaster. How do we make that an opportunity in uh, in Mississippi? And the other one is from Duke Ellington Duke Ellington he said a problem is a chance for you to do your best a problem is your chance to do your best well you know we do have an insurance problem and it is an opportunity for us to do our best and so with that said i wanted to share with you if you just do a quick search on coastal insurance what will pop up are a lot of information you'll you'll see there's debates and conversations happening from texas all the way up to the northeast and every point in between but you'll see some headlines too let me give you a couple of headlines uh, here's one from um, just a month or two ago: closing the insurance coverage gap in risky coastal areas uh, is one of the headlines. Here's another headline from Yahoo: home insurance skyrockets, astronomical rates, astronomical rates. Another one: coastal developers, owners brace for outrageous jumps in insurance costs. And you could, I could, I could give you a hundred more just like it. Um, I think at the end of the day, what I'd like to say to Coastal Mississippians is actually brace yourself if you don't already know about this. There's a storm brewing here. It's not a hurricane yet, but it is a looming insurance storm. It's a crisis in a way, and we're going to talk more about that here in just a second but if you own a home and are you rent or you have a business, you probably are, are already beginning to see signs of this as your, as your bills come due. And, uh, it's complicated, it's dynamic, and we've had conversations here about this before, but when you combine what's happening on the flood insurance side to what's happening on the comprehensive insurance side, it's a very, very tough situation that we face currently. And, and again, we'll be talking more about that here shortly. Um, so uh, the National Flood Insurance Program, we're now in, in the midst of it. The new, the new risk uh, rating uh, 2.0 has been implemented. Uh, when we got our bills last time, we didn't know yet what the target rate was going to be. We know what the target rate is now. In my case, it went from $400 a year to $4,000. Now, p- part of the problem is we actually have a retaining wall. Our first floor is 5.1 5, 5. feet above the a- ABFE requirement, the base flood elevation requirement. But the way that they they factored it, they looked at where my retaining wall started. So something that I might be able to to, uh, to, to make a case about and, uh, and and do something about. But the re- reality is a lot of those kind of conversations are happening right now. Maybe in some cases they're not happening and they should happen. But at the end of the day, if I don't do anything, my rate's going from 400 to 4,000. Lots of people along coastal communities are dealing with that currently. So, if you want to have a a conversation about the comprehensive insurance rate situation and the flood insurance uh, challenge, the struggles that we're having not here not just here in, in Mississippi but all across just about every coastal community in America, you have to bring some of the best and brightest together to do that. so that's what I've done today, and we will we will definitely continue this conversation as we go forward so with that said i I want to uh, invite my two guests in first is Mary Martha Henson she's the deputy director of the Jackson County Economic Development Foundation. Uh, what is really important to this conversation, she's got very significant uh, legislative experience in Congress. She was both a legislative staffer for the U.S. House and the Senate. And so she has a good understanding of the federal legislative process. Again, really important to this issue as it relates to the insurance problem or challenge. And I should also note that she's uh, currently a 2023 presidential leadership scholar. This is actually a very competitive, did some reading about it, uh, very competitive. Leadership Program, and it was uh, founded by former U.S. president. So I look forward to actually getting the latest in her life as it relates to that. And then Frank Bordeaux, who is the vice president of Cadence Insurance, he's been uh, working in that arena here at that company for two, since 2007, uh, he manages public entity and other large insurance accounts across the Mississippi Gulf Coast and really across the state. And in addition to that, as if that's not enough, she, he's also the chairman of the Mississippi GOP. So, with all that said, let me welcome Mary Martha and Frank to the Ricky Matthews Show. How you guys doing? Doing great, thank you, Ricky.
2: Doing well, thank you. It's
1: good to see y'all. So, Mary Martha, you you heard what I said about the Presidential Leadership Program. How is that going? What an honor, and congratulations, incidentally.
2: Well, thank you, Ricky. Um, It is quite an honor. And to be able to look at the leadership of both President George H.W. Bush, George W. Bush, President Bill Clinton, and um, I just recently returned from Austin, Texas looking at the presidency of President um, Lyndon Johnson. You know, the thing that is so um, important about this program is the fact that we're a bipartisan country. We're, we see a lot of partisanship right now, and the issue we're going to talk about here with my good friend Frank Bordeaux here um, sometimes becomes a partisan issue, and that's not how we solve problems in this country. And so the opportunity to be a part of a program with 59 other incredible individuals that represent a number of different sectors and political philosophies and geographic locations to come together and look at these presidencies and then to talk about very complicated issues and how we saw them as a country um, is what this country was founded on. So what an honor. I'm the fourth person from Mississippi to ever be selected for the program. And so uh, I've got a a lot of uh, opportunities to share the Mississippi story with, frankly, a lot of people that don't understand Mississippi.
1: Yeah, I say I've, I've I've talked about this many times that we have Mississippians have an added responsibility to dispel the myth about Mississippi. What what and what's interesting? It's beautiful actually when people from other states come here. And they see for themselves; they fall in love with it. They see what's in the heart and soul of Mississippians, and there's nothing like what they expected to see when they got here. Now, look, the reality is we have we have challenges. Every every state has challenges, but in in some respects, what makes Mississippi such a special place is that we're very resilient. We saw it recently with the tornado when tornado hit the the Lower Delta. People. Ah uh, came together in ways, and uh, you know, no matter what 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 political preference you have or what race you are, people came together and helped their neighbors. We saw that after Hurricane Katrina, and I love to be able to share that story with other people, and I know you do too, Frank. I know that you uh, you have, as we're about to talk about here in just a second, as an insurance executive during these challenging times. As if that's not enough, <laughs> you are also the chairman
3: of the Mississippi GOP. Uh, that keeps you hopping, doesn't it? two full-time jobs, and um, <clears throat> right now uh, I'm not the most popular guy when I walk into a room, I can promise you that. So, yeah. It
1: is it is so tough. Now, look, Martha's been involved. Uh, I mean, she's obviously concerned about insurance in general she's been deeply involved in the national flood insurance program and we're going to talk more about that too specifically how how it how it impacts communities like Pascagoula but 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 higher level than that even as well and of course what frank is involved in is the comprehensive coverage that we all have to do residential and business coverage and uh, it's it's going to we, we, at times during this conversation we'll toggle between the two, but uh, if but if you're a homeowner or a business owner and you don't already understand what's happening, what I want to do now is from Frank's perspective, and then Martha will come will come to you next, or Mary Martha will come to you next. Well, I want to I want to get a sense of if you were doing an elevator speech with someone and you had to sort of give a state of the affairs of how you see this problem currently. Uh, what are the headlines to to your understanding of the problem? I wanted I want to kind of frame that first, so people can understand the severity of what we're talking about, and then we'll get into some of the details after this. So, if you're just telling someone, you know, generally in a summary form, Frank, what's
3: what's the situation? Well, the the situation is deteriorating. Um, literally every day, we're seeing a, a continued deterioration. When I was over in London uh, in January after they were signing reinsurance treaties, it, it was a very um, sobering conversation that we had with multiple syndicates um, and and uh, carriers. The reinsurance, the capacity just does not exist from a global standpoint. The one thing that I would tell Mississippians is we are much better off than our neighbors because we do have a very very solid wind pool program that can help the homeowners that can help uh, small business owners but for our large commercial risk the capacity is very difficult and one good example my average 75 million dollar stretch on my average account the primary 75 million last year in a very difficult market it took 12 different carriers or syndicates now i'm averaging over 30 carriers to fill out that that same 75 million so the global capacity is shrinking and uh it's going to continue there's uh, you know after katrina we saw capacity come into the market and so we had really high rates 2006 2007 all of a sudden 2008 to 2015-16 we saw that rate uh, decrease on top of that there is a valuation issue that the insurance market is trying to correct themselves so it's not just a rate increase it's a valuation increase of your properties and we really saw that in ian it was a glaring example where the models predicted about a 30 billion dollar loss they're over 120 billion dollar loss today and so the the valuation and that will increase your deductibles too and so it's unlike after katrina there's a lot more factors at play right now in um, The only thing, and it's difficult to say to Mississippians, but we are fair and better than our states around us.
1: Yeah. Before we get done with this conversation, for people who have not heard the term wind pool, or if maybe you've heard the term wind pool, some call it sort of the insurer of last resort. We'll talk about why that's important because if you look over in Louisiana and Texas and Florida, man, we they haven't fared well. In fact, they were they're sitting on disasters waiting to come, as it relates to their wind pools or, or, or similar types of uh, backstops that that exist. When we get on the other side, we'll let. Uh, Mary Martha Henson tell her view of how she sees uh, the insurance situation, especially as it relates to the flood insurance program. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation.
3: Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of the Ricky Matthews Show on your laptop, desktop, or your phone or tablet by going to SupertalkMSGulfCoast.com.
0: His passion and love for coastal Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I
1: have uh, two two friends who've been on the show many times. People I respect deeply, and as I said, when you want to have a conversation about something that is dynamic and complicated, you got to get some of your best and brightest involved in this conversation. This conversation doesn't just involve ha- uh, applying to of Mississippi or Mississippi in general. It's really, if you live in the Northeast or Florida or Texas or Al- Alabama or Louisiana you you got to pay attention to this conversation because these these same uh, situations apply to you as well. So when we went to break, we were listening to Frank Bordeaux with Cadence uh, Insurance give us sort of a, a view of what he's seeing, the difficulties that he's seeing. We'll break all that down here in just a second. But the headline is... It isn't good. That's what the headline is. And so let me let me move over now to Mary Martha Henson, who's the deputy director of the Jackson County Economic Development Foundation, and she's also had some ter- terrific experience in Congress to give her assessment of what she's seeing.
2: Yeah. So Ricky, I mean, we're talking about insurance, right? So let's just use this phrase: the storm's brewing, because it's as Frank said. You know, it's an issue with cost. It's an issue of access, but the fact of the matter is, for us as an economic developer, and I'm going to take off my public policy hat here for a moment and go to economic development. This is an economic development issue. I mean, English shipbuilding alone, you know, we're talking about an additional 5,000 employees that they have to hire between attrition and just new employees for the contracts they're winning. But where are people living and this isn't a temporary housing issue. This is a permanent housing issue, and the availability of having housing for workforce. We have to figure this issue out, and it's going to take all of us. Um, you know, I'm delighted again to be on the show with Frank. Frank and I've worked on this issue, this issue for many years when I was in Congress. And but we've got to have a lot of people under the tent talking about this issue and making this a priority. Um, across the coast. And, you know, what a lot of people don't realize is this isn't just a coastal Mississippi issue. Yes, we have the largest capacity here, but this is an issue that's going to impact other parts of Mississippi, and we've got to help people understand that.
1: Well, What's interesting about the National Flood Insurance Program, because we're we're talking, again, we're going to be toggling back and forth during this conversation, and, and it might get confusing for listeners, but um, you have the National Flood Insurance Program. This program that's been in, you know, in existence since 1968 that was deep, deep in debt, and so that what they what they work to do at the federal government level is to respond to that by making you know making steps that would make it essentially actuarially sound, which is a, a which is the same thing as making it saying this can be financially viable. Um, if you look at flood insurance uh, or flood events in in the United States, it's not just a coastal flood issue. If you you watch, it, you know, all over United all over the United States, 99% of the U.S. counties, in fact, had at least one flood event between 1996 and 2019. So, there is a there's a reality about that that that's not just a coastal thing. The rea- but but what you're seeing is that coastal leaders, coastal congressional delegations, have been deeply concerned about the impact on their communities and what, what I what I've what I've heard Martha is just specific to the national flood insurance program is that if we don't deal with this if we stay focused on making that actuarially sound these high rates are going to come from them again I gave my example going from 400 to four thousand but that's not especially unusual when you look at some of the rates that are that are being communicated today that if we don't if we don't address this specifically to say okay the national flood insurance program probably needs to be blown up and maybe moved to some type of catastrophic coverage for the for the United States or whatever the answer might be but there's there's so much noise at the uh, national level right now whether it be the presidential election or whatever it might be Uh, it's hard to have a conversation like this but when you consider the amount of population that lives near a coastline we better get focused on it Uh, how do you think about this
2: so, I mean, let's talk about the population first. I mean, the growth of the country, if you look at where the census, after the 2020 census and where people are moving, yeah, they're moving to places that uh, have access to water and more prone to, to these type of events. However, there's not a place in the country that you can live now that's not does not have some natural disaster or the potential for that. And so I do think this issue, we've got to make it, Um, more about people, more about what it's going to do and impacting people's ability to to live close to where they work, live and play. I mean, that's what we talk about here all, you know, often on co- in coastal Mississippi, but we've gotta make this a, about those people. They've gotta have access to housing and to their jobs. And uh, you're right, Ricky. I mean, the, <laughs> well, there's a lot going on in the country. I mean, we can go from the conversations and where Congress is having to spend time on, the, on Ukraine to what we're gonna do about healthcare access. I mean, there's all these conversations. And so it's gonna take all of us um working on the issue. And when I mean all of us, people, the insurance companies, the mayors, the supervisors, economic development officials, and so forth in order to solve the problem and make this a priority for Congress.
1: Yeah, a real, a real consortium. What, one other added, uh, it's hard not to get into literally, there are rabbit holes all over this conversation. They're just got just so many of them. But the one that, that really um, is one that I've focused on, and it, you would think that it would have some bearing in making change. So just just as they just as they can model a, a storm, for example, let's say Ian, we knew what would happen if Hurricane Ian that hit south of Tampa, if it into Fort Myers, that's where the most storm surge occurred. If if uh, Ian had hit Tampa, we know what the impact would have been. And 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 Frank, in a minute, maybe I'll give you an idea, I'll give you an opportunity to talk about how that would have affected the markets. It would have it would have affected the national economy, if that would have happened in in Tampa. Because good lord, you know what what's an over 100 billion dollar event? Good God only knows what it would have been if it had hit Tampa. But the reality, though, is, uh, Mayor Martha, is they can they can do modeling, because Katrina hit here. Because we get the uh, the unfortunate benefit of seeing the highest storm surge levels in American history, that then gets factored into the, uh, the, the ABFE requirements for our community. But it just seems unfair to me that that's the way that happened. So why wouldn't they have modeled Katrina for Tampa and Fort Myers and all these other communities and make them build appropriately? But because we got hit here, our base flood elevations are, are sky high. I'm not saying they shouldn't be, but just as, as so let's say they should be high. The reality of the other communities, they should be also adequately high as well. How do you talk about that unfairness when you think about
2: it? Yeah, and you know, I, I was actually fortunate to have been on congressional staff during Katrina. So I was on the ground, spent a lot of time at the makeshift FEMA headquarters that were here on, in coastal Mississippi. You know, let's go back to Katrina What happened was Katrina was not supposed to be the baseline storm, right? And when we we remapped Mississippi, and unfortunately Katrina was. I mean, we're talking about a 100-year event that became what we used as the reference point to set these BFE. And so when we talk about this in Congress, we're educating people on, one, there's got to be fairness and parity. But secondly is that, We can't go back to Katrina. We can't go back to 18 years ago. But what we can do is make sure that we understand that while we use Katrina as the baseline, we've got to have new data, we've got to have new maps, and we've got to look at this differently than than just the Katrina event in order to, to move the conversation forward. The thing that I have found that we've done differently in the last couple of years in terms of the issue in Pascagoula is. Again, we're making this personal. This is about people. This is about communities. This is about people being able to live, work, and play in their community. And right now, the federal government has set up the, a program or policies that are not allowing us to do that. And so we have to make this about those, those people and our employers here in coastal Mississippi.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the we're not going to get into the complicated world of some of these other policies that are part of the National Flood Insurance Program and how it impacted places like Pascagoula, but it literally doesn't enable you to be able to make improvements to a home, for example, that, that are, 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 I think, 50% is the number. Is that that's right? Correct.
2: Over two-year period. That's correct, 50%. Yeah.
1: Yes, and we the other the other important part is when the new uh, risk rating 2.0 National Flood Insurance Program is put in place that grandfathered all these people that were grandfathered into the program. There's no longer grandfathering, so so those people who um, who had incredibly affordable rates now who rebuilt because they did not have more than 50 percent damage are now below the ABFE requirement, and the grandfathering clause having been dropped means that they're going to be hit with unbelievable insurance rates. And that's that's really unfortunate. One of the, one, I think one of the most powerful arguments, and just to try to bring this back home, make it practical, uh, Mary Martha, is the reality that when you talk about angles, one of the strategically important shipbuilding entities in in America. And and not just Ingalls. I mean, Chevron, probably the most important refinery in the United States. Um, When you think about the people who work there and the need for affordable housing for them, we've got to start linking Changes the national flood insurance program how it affects communities to strategically important entities like that that should create a compelling case for action but for whatever reason it doesn't it, it for whatever reason it or at least it hasn't yet uh, when we come back on the other side I'll get Mary Martha an opportunity to respond to that and then we'll switch over to to Frank for a second and talk about the wind pool in Mississippi how reinsurance works and how the sort of the the sort of worldwide global markets as it relates to in, uh, reinsurance, how it affects us here in, in Mississippi. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation. Mm-hmm.
3: Subscribe for free to the Ricky Matthews Show podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your
0: podcasts. Reminding you why we all love living in coastal Mississippi, it's The Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1.
1: Listen. Everyone who lives in a in a uh, coastal community is not a rich person in a in a vacation home, and uh, we heard that after Hurricane Katrina. In fact, some of the congressional testimonies, some some unfortunate congressmen and senators, somehow had the impression that. These were second homes by rich people, and not realizing that a lot of the a lot of the people who are living near the coastline are people who work at some of the most strategically important entities in the United States, like Chevron and Ingalls. And uh, you know that should create a compelling case for action, and maybe it will in time, Mary Martha. But the reality is, it's been hard to have that conversation and have people listen to it with substance, hasn't it?
2: That's correct. And, you know, let's go back to what you just said, Ricky. I mean, there's still people in Congress that think that this is a vacation destination. And it is right. I mean, we we look at sales tax res- revenue. We look at tourism revenue. And um, this is certainly a place where people come to vacate or to have their vacation. However, most people that live here, this is their primary home. And that alone, changing that narrative has been critical to us, even starting to address a very, um, a very specific issue within the National Flood Insurance Program with the fifty percent rule, and so as sometimes I think what well, you have to do when you work in Congress, and again this is back to my pol- public policy experience and having worked there for ten years, and you know, and working on issues that are complicated is you've got to you've got to tell the story. And you've got to break it down to what's really going on in the community, but we have to humanize this story about the fact that people can't live, work, and play in coastal Mississippi Um, because of these exorbitant prices that we're continuing to be faced with. um, What we saw with risk rate or what we're seeing with risk rating 2.0 has only set the stage for what is going
1: to continue to be a challenge. And what's, what's interesting about that problem, this notion of 50% rule, so if people don't really understand it, that's that's okay, but listen to this. There are some people in FEMA and some people who f- support FEMA who really support the National Flood Insurance Program risk rating 2, 2.0 for this reason. They actually don't want us to rebuild. See, in their minds, they don't literally want us to rebuild. They wanna reduce the risk. So if a house sets vacant, they're cool with that. That's right. and, and that does not, that, that is not in touch with the reality of creating affordable housing for people who work at these entities that we were just talking about. And so, Frank, when you hear us talking about that, I mean, so much of what we were talking about as it relates to the National Flood Insurance Program, the economic impact, the reality of affordable housing, the, the realities of the impact on economic development and existing businesses, all of that applies to everything you face every single day, doesn't it?
3: Every single day. And I want to say after Bicker Waters passed in 2012, and and Mary Martha and I actually met for the first time, if it wasn't for her leadership with Senator Cochran, we wouldn't have been able to pass the Affordable Flood Act. And that required the federal government to start buying reinsurance and start treating this as a, a true insurance product. But if they're gonna, it's very difficult for a single peril policy to ever be actuarial sound you're always going to have adverse selection uh, and so those that are susceptible to flood are going to buy the policy but just to go back on some of the stuff that Mary Martha was saying you know everybody is in a flood zone and two of the largest floods in 2022, one was in Kentucky and one was in Missouri, over both of over a billion dollars in damage and so that's not on the coastline. A lot of those folks probably did not purchase flood insurance, and so if there was a, uh, if we really wanted to talk about this seriously across the nation, there there needs to be a look at how do we encourage the placement uh, outside of the flood zones. If you truly want to make an actuarial sound, if they want to have a serious conversation about that, right now the way it is, it, having affordable flood insurance that's actuarial sound is impossible. Mary Martha and I have been echoing that in, in Congress since 2013, and we're going to have to continue to fight that battle. Our delegation gets it. Louisiana yeah. delegation gets it. and so, But we have a lot of work to do. Uh, there was, last year, eight, $18 billion plus disasters. Only two of those were hurricanes. And, and, and they were all over the country, from uh, hailstorms in Texas to uh, wildfires, The hurricane gets the most attention, but this global market that is shifting—we're seeing pain here. But you're seeing also the folks in the Midwest are seeing pain. Uh, You're seeing admitted markets leave in areas that we've never thought that they would, and so they're going surplus lines or they're going to London or Bermuda or Asia, and so that's further taking capacity away. So,
1: hey, So, Frank, when you think about it, um, because you said you a single peril, it, it would literally almost be impossible to make that actuarially sound. Uh, cert- certainly no way to do that affordably. Do you think a, a, a national catastrophic coverage uh, of some approach like that would be the way to go?
3: I think that there's a possibility to, to do something of that, that. It would change the entire industry. And, and so the, the you know, in the past, I think they—you know—our industry has a strong lobby, and I think that they were kind of afraid of it. Mary, Martha, and I have spoken about a a, a similar program to build a reinsurance, a, a catastrophic reinsurance market for carriers that participated in the insurance market in the United States. I think that there's the we're at the beginning of a hard, really hard market. I believe that we probably have 24 or 36 months to go with this. As this becomes a more nas- national problem, a more national issue, I think there's going to have to be serious conversations. This is going to hurt folks economically um, very quickly. Yeah,
1: and I would say where maybe before the you know, insurance carriers might have been afraid of some national catastrophic coverage, uh, there's a powerful lubrication to change that comes from pain. And as they continue to feel the pain of this current situation in terms of reinsurance, et cetera, that they would uh, that what we'd end up with is a relationship between insurance carriers today and Mississippi's wind pool as a backstop. Same thing could occur actually on the national level as a backstop for some national catastrophic coverage. Is that the way you see it? It's just that the links between
3: those two have to be extraordinarily well defined. That's right. And the one thing that Mississippi did very well after Hurricane Katrina and the change in the legislation for our wind pool, you know, the wind pool creates a surplus, and the surplus is well over $300 million. Two years ago, everybody said they had too much surplus. We may need to take a look at uh, maybe taking some of that surplus. Now we're in question whether that's enough. It's much more per policy that Mississippi has than any other state. But we're also buying a significant amount of reinsurance, which, so we treat it a lot like an insurance company. And then on top of that, if they were to uh, expose us beyond the reinsurance and the surplus, then the carriers that write, admitted carriers that write Mississippi would participate in the loss. It's a very good program where everybody has skin in the game, the policyholder, the taxpayer, and the private uh, uh, companies. I believe we have the best program had, had Congress not taken surplus from the National wind, uh, National Flood Insurance Program, we'd be in a much better shape if they would if they would continue to buy reinsurance and leave the surplus alone and let that build over time. I think that they could be in a much better shape. But yeah, participation participation from private carriers excess of a loss. I think it's a very good idea that Mississippi's done, and I think it's an idea that others need to uh, look at. Well,
1: well, seeing the surplus there, it's hard for legislators, whether it's on the state level or the national level, to see that and not want to tinker with it. Even in Mississippi, we have to work hard to protect it, don't we?
3: Yes, and our, I would say our coast delegation's done a, an amazing job. If anybody even talks about that surplus, our our folks here on the coast, they they ruffle up real quick, They they circle wagons. And they defend that, and so we we're, we're very uh, cognizant of what could happen. And
1: you know what's interesting about that, and I think it's I think you know if I were talking to an upstate legislator, what I would say is, once our coastal delegation gets finished making their point about why we can't touch that, what I would say is that. One of the most important things we could do is make coastal Mississippi resilient. We had to keep coastal Mississippi resilient. So if we get hit by another, we're gonna get hit by another storm. And I think a lot of the things that we put in place, stronger bridges, stronger, better infrastructure, homes that are built higher and stronger, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, makes us more resilient. Having insurance enables us to bounce back quicker. This economic engine that is the economic engine for, for the entire state, uh, if we do anything to tinker with our ability to bounce back, it's going to affect the entire state. We learned that well after Katrina. We certainly know that's going to be the future situation as well. I think we're in a better position to make those arguments today than we used to be, don't you think?
3: I definitely – look Look how we performed after Zeta. That was a – it was a fast-moving, but it was a Category 3 storm. We had very little damage on the Mississippi Gulf Coast compared to other communities got hit by the same size storm. But folks over in London definitely recognize that. If you look at their interests of, of deploying capacity in coastal in the Gulf Coast, they're deploying it in, in Mississippi in great they're more interested in our risk. We've performed very well.
1: Well, that's a that's a good position to be in, and if we we <laughs> wish we could be an exception to the rule. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're all connected to these global markets. We'll talk a little bit more about that actually here when we get on the other side. Why reinsurance is always something we talk. What is reinsurance, and how do you know? Why does it play into what we're talking about? This is Frank Bordeaux and Mary Martha Henson. We'll continue the conversation on the other side. <laughs>
0: Also, listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say Alexa. Open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Gulf Coast 103.1.
1: Well, the thing that was kind of mind boggling to me as we continue this conversation about insurance is just how complicated everything is. I mean, it takes a lot of people working in the trenches to make a community like ours tick. I mean, you could, the insurance issue alone, the whirlpool, the vortex that it creates could suck a lot of people into a big black hole. And I'm thrilled that we have so many people, so many leaders in this community that are focused on it. They had to be focused on it. Lord, how mercy. I mean, it is a big, big issue for all of us. And if we, man, if we don't, as a a collection of states all the way from Texas up to the Northeast, if we don't get together and say, man, we got to find solutions, we're going to be in, we're going to. Coastal communities, especially, are going to have a big challenge on that. We already have a big challenge on our hands. So, Frank, coming back to you, Frank Bordeaux, who is an insurance executive here in coastal Mississippi, is also the chairman of the Mississippi GOP. Uh, Frank, when you, re, re, explain reinsurance. You know, you say that a lot. It's an important converse, part of the conversation.
3: So, reinsurance is the insurance that carriers, your insurance carrier, purchases in order to lay off some of the risk that they have. And so it is the insurance for the insurance carriers. The unfortunate thing that has happened this year, starting in January, and they they sign different carriers, whether it's Travelers or Chubb or, or you know whoever your carrier may be, they buy their reinsurance at different times. And so January one is a big day, and then four one is a big day, and on and on. But what we're seeing is the insurance, the reinsurance carriers, most of which are in London, they've seen losses seven out of the past 10 years, the longest stretch that they've ever seen losses. And they underwrite for a loss uh, or, or to break even, but they make money off their um, investment income. They're not making that money. And so with combination of large losses and a lack of their investment income, they have decided to really raise rates. And so their rates are going up 50% on average to the carriers. But the worst part about the whole reinsurance treaties that are being signed now, they're also getting a deductible or their retention is above their largest lost year, which for most carriers is Katrina. I know this is very complicated and can bore you pretty quick, but that means if a carrier is buying their reinsurance with a loss greater, uh, their deductible is greater than any lost year they've ever had, and it's costing them 50% more to purchase that, that's going to filter down to every person that is buying insurance
1: and 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 that's where the, so again you you'd mentioned Bermuda, but the majority of them are in London there are, there are other places they are as well but the reality is that until they find successive years where they're not ha- having to deal with those losses uh, we won't see rates start to come back again I mean the the, 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 the reinsurance markets to the to a great extent are determining global insurance rates, bottom line, right? Bottom
3: line. And it's determining what risk they're willing to take. And whether it's coastal or non-coastal, there's certain risk out there that carriers are very reluctant to take. And so it's gonna, I've read a couple articles, you know, everybody's waiting for the Calvary to come in or the, the white knight to ride in to save the day, to add money, to put capacity out there. That'll eventually happen, it hasn't happened yet. And so, until that happens, we're going to be living in a pretty difficult market. We're not; our rates are not where 1992 rates were, which was the worst insurance market. But we're pretty close. We're getting very close to those. And
1: what that does, and and so you see that that's sort of the trickle-down effect, and this is how it ultimately affects us as homeowners. And this is independent of the National Flood Insurance Program, incidentally. Uh, and how it affects businesses, uh, especially in the coastal areas, but it's not just for the coastal areas, as as Frank just pointed out. But what what these higher rates do is it makes it harder for a homeowner to get insurance. It makes it harder for a new homeowner to get insurance, especially. And what that then then does is it throws more people into the Mississippi wind pool and puts stress on the wind pool. Talk about that real quickly, Frank.
3: Yeah, so since probably 2008, we've seen a depopulation of the wind pool. And very quickly, we're seeing our wind pool repopulate. Obviously, it's going to, similar to the National Flood Insurance Program, it's kind of, it's a single peril product. And it's going to be those risks that are not very attractive to the marketplace. And so we're getting, we're adding the uh, probable maximum loss to the wind pool. The, the population is gaining at a very, very fast rate. Um, and that's going to continue over the next several years. Thankfully, the wind pool is is buying adequate reinsurance. We do have our surpluses we talked about earlier, but times could get very, very difficult. You know, one storm, one catastrophic storm, we really will have to look into how do we shore this thing up. And
1: maybe next time we talk, we can talk about the point I made earlier, that if Ian had not hit south of Tampa, it would have hit where – Everyone says is a major issue. You're talking about affecting, you know, the reinsurance markets in a big way. The catastrophic losses that would have come from that would have been mind-boggling. What don't you think, Frank?
3: Devastating. Their underwater topography is very similar to ours, so they you, you will see some wave action uh, similar to what we see. It, w- it would be a very devastating storm.
1: Average ABFE in Tampa is four or five feet above sea level. Just put get that in your pipe and smoke it for a second. Big deal. Really big deal. Hey, listen, we've only scratched the surface, but I hope that you know people listening to this can know that people like Frank Bordeaux and Mary Martha Henson from the Jackson County Economic Development foundation, Frank, and executive in the insurance industry, and also uh, the chairman of Mississippi GOP. People like them are engaged in this, not just in Mississippi, but outside Mississippi. It's a national conversation, and we will continue to stay focused uh, on it here on, on the Ricky Matthews Show. Hey, thank you, Frank. Thank you, Mary Martha. I appreciate you spending some time with me today. Thank you for having me. It's been, it's been terrific. Have Hello, a great Super day.
0: Talk we'll see you Mississippi tomorrow. Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Coast 103.1